Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoyed the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Last words are meant to be lasting words, words that stick and words that make an impact. So important are the final words of our Lord Jesus Christ that they are recorded in each of the Gospels and the book of Acts. You find the Matthean version of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, which will be our text for the morning. But you also find it in the longer ending of Mark chapter 16. You find it again in Luke chapter 24. You find the Johannine version in John chapter 20. Dr. Kellen read a moment ago, you find it again in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Last words are meant to be lasting words. And of all the things that Jesus could have left his church with, he left her with what we know popularly as the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, this is the word of the Lord. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all the ethnes, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Southeastern Seminary has as its mission statement, we seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. It is my prayer and the prayer of this faculty that we would indeed be a seminary that is consumed with the Great Commission. And as a result of that, we will focus not just on good things, but we will focus rather on the most important things, certainly those things that were most important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that context, we regularly remind ourselves around here of this simple but basic truth. The church can live without the seminary, but the seminary cannot live without the church. However, when seminaries do their job well, they provide an invaluable service to the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our calling and that is our mandate. And so we have in recent weeks and months been thinking about where do we want to see this school go over the next 10 years? To kind of put it in a personal context, I'm 60 years of age. Uh, If God is gracious to give me health, I will probably be around here for another decade. And so over the next 10 years, what is it that we want this school to be known for? What is it that we want this school to be? In other words, what are Mark's of a great commission seminary. There are four of them that I have extracted from the passage in Matthew that I want to share with you. We will ground our observations this morning in God's word, but we also speak very practically and very specifically about how we see all of this impacting Southeastern Seminary. So number one, marks of a great commission seminary, it will be consumed with a global focus. 
We read in the text that we are to make disciples of all the nations, all the ethnes. And we believe in particular, we have a calling to train great commission leaders who will go out and build great commission churches. Ultimately, we believe that responsibility falls more so on the shoulders of the pastor than anyone else. George Pentecost said at the turn of the 1900s to the pastor belongs the privilege and responsibility of the, what he called the missionary problem. I love the way that David Platt puts it. It is the privilege and the responsibility of every pastor of every local church to fan a flame for God's global glory and to lead that church to pray and to give and to go accordingly. And so we believe our calling is to train leaders who will think and who will also lead whatever ministries they are over, they will think and lead like missionaries. So in that context, four things I would point out within this particular mandate. Number one, we do see our calling to train missionaries, pastors and church planters to go to the nations as well as our nation. In that context, we have set a goal for our faculty that at least on uh, once out of every three years, each faculty member will find their way to be involved in a mission trip, either here in North America or around the world. It is our prayer and hope that every one of you before you graduate from this school will be involved in a mission trip, preferably one of an international nature, wherein you can catch the heart of God for the nations and you can actually experience up close and personal the massive, massive lostness of this planet. Secondly, we train persons from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We proudly say that we intend to be a kingdom diverse school, both in terms of ethnicity, but also in terms of biblically defined gender. Let me address those in reverse order. We wanna make sure that people understand without any uh, confusion that we have a strong convictionalism when it comes to the issue of gender. And yet we want to hold that strong conviction in a compassionate way that is faithful to scriptural teaching and faithful to what the Bible teaches. Let me apply it to our particular community. We are delighted that we have an increasing uh, number of women on our campus. We want women to know that they are welcome to come to Southeastern Seminary and the college at Southeastern. In that context, we also do not apologize for the fact that we adopt a complementarian understanding of gender roles, both in the church and in the home. But as I said to new students on, um, on Tuesday, uh, we can be complementarians without, without being weird complementarians. Uh, we can be what I like to call a gentler, kinder school, kinder school when it comes to the issue of complementarianism. And so we want to make sure that, uh, to put it very personal, we build the kind of school that when my granddaughters get old enough to consider college or seminary, if God has that calling on their lives, I would be thrilled and delighted for them to come to this institution. That is the kind of school we want to cultivate here at Southeastern. But also, we want to be a seminary that helps churches on earth look like the church in heaven. Uh, we recognized about five years ago that we had a long ways to go when we discovered that our uh, ethnic uh, population on this campus was under 10%. 
Uh, we've worked very hard, very intentionally in this area. And now by God's good grace, we have reached a number of about 18% of all of our students uh, are ethnic minorities, but we're not satisfied. And so we have set a very high auspicious goal that 10 years from now, 30% of all students on this campus will be ethnic minorities. So that indeed, we as a seminary look like the church in heaven, and we then are able to serve the churches and helping them build churches that look like the church in heaven. I would remind us all this morning, there are no segregated communities in heaven. And therefore, there ought not to be segregated churches down here on this earth. Furthermore, we recognize the challenge that faces us today, especially when you consider recent events. And we want to be crystal clear again in this area. We stand steadfastly against any type of evil or wickedness that exalts any type of racial superiority, white supremacy, neo-Nazis, bigots and racists. We will mark that for what it is, sin, evil and wickedness and we will never divert from the clear affirmation of the bible that we as believers in christ all have the same father we are indwelt by the same savior and we also are empowered by the same holy spirit of god that is who we are And I recognize that for a denomination that still bears the stain of racism, we have work to be done. But by God's grace and for his glory, we will join hands together and we will plot out a different course and we will create a different community that we pray God then will see to bless and that God will multiply many, many times over. And then fourthly, we recognize the value of both on-campus and distance education to equip students in Wake Forest and around the world. Uh, things have changed radically if you have been around this campus for any period of time at all. Uh, go back 10 years ago and distance learning was just getting off the ground. Today, more than 30% of our student body are distance learning students. Uh, that means that our faculty has had to adjust. And I will tell you, they have adjusted marvelously and have been very supportive in this regard. We recognize that given technology, we can now export what I like to call the Southeastern DNA to places that heretofore was unavailable to us. Just one example. We now have, you have classmates, more than 200 of them that are current employees of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention already on the mission field scattered around the world and yet currently they are students at Southeastern Seminary. And because of the generosity of Southern Baptists, because of the generosity of specific donors, and because of God's gift of technology, they are right now being trained for more effective ministry right now in their context on the field. Even five years ago, that was not even on the radar screen. So we're grateful for this. And yet at the same time, please understand, for those of you sitting before me this morning, we are so really, really glad you're here. We still believe the on-campus experience is the most valuable experience. It provides things that you cannot get by distance learning. You get to learn about the lives of your professors in a way you can't do through distance learning. You get to build relationships here with fellow believers and ministers that you can't do through distance learning. And so we celebrate God's gift of technology for that end, but at the same time, we recognize 
there is massive, massive benefit in moving away, spending three or four years on this campus and getting to be immersed in the seminary experience here in Wake Forest, North Carolina. But we are consumed with a global focus. Number two, a Great Commission seminary is also marked because it is certain in its doctrinal conviction. Jesus said in the Great Commission that we are to teach them, that is his disciples, to observe everything that I have commanded you. And so let me lay out four observations and then provide some commentary to it. For a faithful and clear witness to the gospel and the truth of the Christian faith among all peoples, number one, we firmly and unashamedly take our stand to teach in accordance with and not contrary to, without mental reservation or hesitation, the abstract of principles, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, the definition of the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy, and the Danvers Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Now, let me flesh that out for just a moment within the family context of Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists agree doctrinally and theologically on a lot. In fact, we agree much more than we disagree, and this should be both acknowledged and also celebrated. For example, and I'll just give a few examples because I could keep you here a long, long time in describing and noting the areas where we are in agreement. Without apology, Southern Baptists affirm the inerrancy, infallibility, authority, and sufficiency of the Bible. We affirm the triune God who is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. We affirm God as creator, the historicity of Adam and Eve and the fall, and we reject naturalistic evolution as an inadequate explanation of the created order. We affirm both the dignity and the depravity of all of humanity. No one among us disagrees that we all, each and every one of us, is born with a sin nature. We affirm the full deity, perfect humanity and sinlessness of Jesus, the eternal Son of God. We affirm the penal substitutionary nature of the atonement as essential and foundational for understanding the cross work of our Savior. We affirm the good news of the gospel as the exclusive and only means whereby any person is reconciled to God. We affirm the biblical nature of a regenerate church witnessed in believers' baptism by immersion. We affirm salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. We affirm the reception of the Holy Spirit at the moment of regeneration and conversion and the blessing of spiritual gifts for all believers for the building up of the body of Christ. We affirm the literal, visible, and historical return of Jesus Christ to this earth when he will manifest fully his kingdom. We affirm the reality of an eternal hell and an eternal heaven with Jesus as the only difference. We affirm a sanctity of life ethic from conception to natural death. We affirm the sanctity of heterosexual marriage, the goodness of sex in marriage and the gift of children. And we affirm the complementary nature of male-female relationships rejoicing in the divine ordering of them for both the home and the church. Now, let me then provide some thoughts here. Some things are worth fighting over theologically, and some things are not. Some things are even worth dividing over, and some things are not. I would argue very strongly 
And there are some counter voices among our uh, uh, family arising at this particular moment in time, but I would argue that our agreement on our confessions of faith is a wonderful asset and not a weakness. It is a plus and not a minus. Now, again, let me be clear. If I were to pin my own personal confession of faith, it would not look exactly like the abstract of principles or the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. However, our confessions are solid foundations for a sound theology for a convention of churches that avoids the pitfalls and quicksand of liberalism on the one hand and what I call a straitjacket theology on the other. We do indeed want and we do indeed need theological boundaries that rule out things like open theism, universalism and inclusivism, erroneous perspectives on the atonement, gender role confusion, work salvation, apostasy of true believers, infant baptism and non-congregational ecclesiologies, just to name a few. Why? These things have never characterized who we are as Southern Baptists and they have no place in our seminaries and no place in our denomination today. So again, let me be clear, inerrancy is not up for debate. The deity of Jesus and his sinless life is not up for debate. The perfect atoning work of Christ as a penal substitute for sinners is not up for debate. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone is not up for debate. A regenerate church, not up for debate. Believer's baptism by immersion, not up for debate. And the glorious return of Christ again is not up for debate. On these things, we gladly and proudly take our stand recognizing we can have a very healthy and a very balanced theology without a theological agenda that would marginalize those we should be able to agree with and work together for fulfilling the Great Commission. And so indeed, we recognize that the Baptist faith and message is a solid confession for building theological consensus for Great Commission cooperation. One last word, one promise of the conservative resurgence was that we would find common biblical and theological ground that would be more than enough to get us focused on the Great Commission. I believe we have that. And so a Great Commission seminary is consumed with a global focus. It is certain in its doctoral convictions. Number three, it is also committed to an expansive ministerial preparation. Jesus says we are to make disciples of all nations, which I believe by extension means making disciples of every follower of Jesus for, as Ephesians chapter 4 teaches us, their particular work of ministry. So three ways that that is going to guide how Southeastern functions over the next 10 years. One, God has tasked us to provide biblical and theological training for all peoples at the undergraduate level, the graduate level, and the postgraduate levels of education so that, and Jamie Dew, our college dean, gave me this phrase, I love it, so they can leverage their lives for Christ in the church, among the nations, and also in every aspect of culture. So how is that going to flesh out? Well, we believe our college in particular will play a strategic role in Great Commission advance in the coming years. And we intend to aggressively work to build a vibrant and growing college presence on this campus. 
We will continue to offer what is, I believe, an outstanding and growing postgraduate program, but we will never lose sight of the fact that we are a seminary, not a divinity school. We serve the church more than we serve the academy. I'm not denying that we serve the academy, but our primary calling is to serve the churches that have supported us and that have put us in place to train ministers who return to them. Secondly, we particularly and primarily, now hear me carefully, particularly and primarily train Great Commission pastors for the church through the Master of Divinity program who will equip and train their people to be Great Commission disciples of King Jesus. We believe doing this also in partnership with local churches is a very wise and strategic approach. Now, let me speak from my heart. First of all, we need to ask God to raise up more pastors because we are entering into a period of time where there is a dearth of young men preparing for the pastorate. Just last week, a study came out from the Barna Institute. Listen, today, one half of all pastors in America are over the age of 55. In 1992, it was only 24%. 1992, 24% of all pastors were over 55. Today, 50% of all pastors are over the age of 55. Pastors under the age of 40 has fallen from 33% in 1992 to 15% in 2017. Listen, there are more full-time pastors over the age of 65 than there is under the age of 40. Now, I'm not sure why this is happening, but I want to make something very, very clear to this student body. There is no greater or higher calling among the body of Christ than the calling of a pastor. And we need to indeed challenge men to think about, is this indeed what God has for me? You say, well, the the, the life of a pastor is hard. Grow up, grow up, man up. Quit being a sissy and man up and grow up and recognize that by God's enablement, you can do the hard work of the ministry. Furthermore, our churches need great commission pastors. That's why I so love what we are trying to do here. And so I wanna again put that before you. Let me also say this, if you are called to the pastoral ministry, don't you be lazy and don't you cut corners and do an MA instead of an MDiv. You need the full MDiv program of study. If I didn't think that, I would change it. But the fact of the matter is, you need all that we offer in that larger program of study to equip you not to be a private in your church, not to be a captain in your church, not to be a colonel in your church, but using the military metaphor, you have been called by God to be a general in your church. And therefore, you need as much preparation as God will allow you. And I believe you need to have a really, 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 really good reason not to pursue the MDiv program. And basically, guys, I've never come across one that I found all that compelling. So we want to train pastors who are theologians, who are missionaries, who are also evangelists. We want to make clear that biblical biblical exposition will always be the model that we advocate for preaching. Indeed, we will heed the warning of the wonderful scholar Walt Kaiser, quote, one of the most depressing spectacles in the church today is her lack of power 
at the heart of this problem is an impotent pulpit. So we will teach pastors to be gospel-centered, heralding the truth that Jesus is in all of Scripture and that he is indeed the hero, Savior of the Bible. But in that context, number three, we train faithful teachers of the Word, male and female, to build healthy communities of faith who can go anywhere and talk to anyone about the ultimate truths that God has revealed to us in his revelation. I agree with my friend Mark Dever, the first mark of a healthy church is expository preaching, and I would add, and teaching. And so we want to equip students here who can equip their people who know both what they believe and why they believe. Our goal is to train up an army for King Jesus that knows how to think in Christian worldview categories and then live out those truths for the glory of God and the good of others. Uh, George Barna is right on this. Most Christians don't act like Jesus because most Christians don't think like Jesus. And we want to train students who love God well, both with their heart and also with their mind. And I love the words of C.S. Lewis who said, quote, God is no fonder of intellectual slackers than any other slackers. If you are thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something which is going to take the whole of you, brains and all. Christianity is an education itself. So we're consumed with a global focus. We are certain in our doctrinal convictions. We're committed to an expansive ministerial preparation. And then number four, a Great Commission seminary is marked or characterized by spiritual vibrancy. Jesus said, make disciples, teaching them to observe everything. There are two guardrails that I believe must guide us as a seminary and college if we are to be a Great Commission seminary. One is the Great Commission. The other is the Great Commandments. I call these the twin pillars of biblical Christianity. And they are indeed essential to our living out in a very alive and vibrant spiritual way what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Now, there are three areas in particular that we have determined in recent days need to receive a renewed emphasis on our campus. One is personal evangelism and missions. The other is prayer. And the third is disciple making. So let me just address those very quickly as I bring my time to a close. First of all, we want to model, teach, and live out personal evangelism and missions that is rooted in a vibrant walk with God. Secondly, we want to be a community of brothers and sisters who both pray for and pray with each other. Just as the Great Commission is the air we breathe at Southeastern Seminary, we want prayer to be the air we breathe as well. Thirdly, we are committed to producing thoroughly equipped graduates who fulfill their calling through prayerful dependence on God. Hudson Taylor reminds us the church always moves forward on its knees. James Fraser, the wonderful missionary to the China, said lasting, solid, lasting missionary work is done on our knees. A.B. Simpson said, prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. And I want to take responsibility for this. For some reason, when we began to think about, and I began to think about the importance of, of being a great commission seminary, somehow I failed to recognize, Danny, you fool. You can't be this without prayer. 
You can't do this without God. Without his spiritual power and enablement, even our most noble efforts are destined to fail. And so I want you to graduate from this school, not only with a heart and a passion for the nations, I also want you to graduate as a wonderful prayer warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, we understand that making disciples is the imperative of the Great Commission. And number six, and we have begun to understand this more and more because you have asked for this more and more, we understand we must train disciple makers at Southeastern Seminary and we recognize this is not optional, it is absolutely essential. James Frazier, as I mentioned a moment ago, was a missionary to China, he's one of my heroes. Uh, he was a very gifted uh, honor student in engineer and an accomplished concert pianist. Uh, he was raised in Great Britain, schooled in London, and he was about to graduate, and he had an incredible career already mapped out for him, both in engineering, but also with his ability uh, to play the piano. But shortly before he graduated, a friend brought him a gospel track one day and handed it to him. James Frazier read that gospel track, and it so got a hold of his heart that James Frazier did not stay in London to be an engineer. He did not remain in Great Britain to be a famous concert pianist, but rather he moved to the mountains of Western China to work among what I playfully call the Chinese hillbillies, the Lisu people group. James Frazier would be there for more than five years before he had a single convert. But I checked to make sure my stats were right yesterday. Today, among a people group of about 700,000, there are more than 300,000 followers of Jesus because of James Frazier. Now the question is this, what did he read that caused him to radically alter his course for life? And this is the short portion that I think God used in his life. Do not say. A command has been given. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It has not been obeyed. More than half the people in the world have never yet heard the gospel. And by the way, that was true in 1900. It's still true in 2017. More than half the people in the world have never yet heard the gospel. What are we to say to this? Surely it concerns us Christians very seriously, for we are the people who are responsible. If our master returned today to find millions, I could change the word to billions, of people unevangelized and looked as, of course, he would look to us for an explanation, I cannot imagine what explanation we should have to give. Of one thing I am certain, that most of the excuses we are accustomed to make with such a good conscience now, we would be wholly ashamed of then. I do not want us to stand before our Lord ashamed when he comes again. I want us to be a faithful Great Commission seminary until that glorious day. And by his grace, and for his glory, we will be that school. Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the challenge of your word. And Lord, I also thank you that in that challenge, you give us the joy and the blessing of being a part of what you're doing to make your name famous among all the nations. And indeed, we want to be a part of that great global effort that all of the nations would come to know of King Jesus, his love for them, his perfect sacrifice for them, his glorious resurrection, the fact that he indeed has all authority today over heaven and earth. And Lord, that they like us can long with the Apostle John to say, even today, come, Lord Jesus. We have a great assignment, but we have a great God to enable us to fulfill that assignment. So may we indeed be faithful, Great Commission Christians. May we be a faithful Great Commission seminary. And may we indeed go out and build Great Commission churches for your glory and the good of all peoples. We ask and pray this in your strong and saving name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.